assault in progress at Asa Plaza. Repeat, an assault in progress. Life was good. Sun setting on a sweet summer's day. The smell of freshly mowed lawns. The sounds of children playing. A house across the river on the Jersey side. A beautiful wife and a baby girl. The American dream come true. But dreams have a nasty habit of going bad when you're not looking. Welcome to Now Playing Podcast Review of Max Payne. I don't believe in heaven. I believe in fear. I believe in pain. Part of Now Playing's video game movie review series. Can't want to make it out alive. You think that if he puts you out of your misery, you'll be with him again. Hosted by Arnie. The angels are not done with you yet! Justin. So what's the story? There is none. And Stuart. You don't want to be near him when Judgment Day comes. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. Well, I'm never scared for starters. <laughs> Instead of fear, you're, you're filled with uh, peace, I guess. It's like something's watching over you from above. Listener discretion is advised. Forget it, Max. You go there, you die. Today, we're discussing Max Payne, starring Mark Wahlberg, Myla Kunis, Bo Bridges, Ludacris, Chris O'Donnell, Nelly Furtado, Donald Logue. <laughs> Nelly Furtado. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, she stole the picture, didn't she? <laughs> Directed by John Moore. This is your now playing co-host who's bringing the pain, Arnie. And Stuart, and it ain't my lucky day. <laughs> and much like Donald Logue, I'm just here to say, let's go for a ride a couple times and then peace out. This is Justin. I'm really wondering if Donald Logue is going to go the way of Sean Bean and just be a character who has more deaths in movies than anybody else. I mean, every time we review poor Donald, he dies. <laughs> well, I got good news and bad news, guys. The good news is this is the last video game movie we're covering in 2018. It's not directed by Uva Bull. The bad news is 2018's almost over. Yeah, <laughs> we get to him soon. Bittersweet pill. And the other bad news is we're here to talk about Max Payne, a movie I have seen before, but a game I've never seen. I don't know anything about this title. Max Payne. Oh my God. This was the height of my video gaming. Can I take a guess? Yes. I just based on like having seen this film and just the name itself, Max Payne, I'm imagining something like Postal. Where, like, you're just a badass going around causing maximum carnage, maximum death, killing everything on the screen, first person shooter, golden eye style, but taking out everybody women, children, cats. Exactly wrong. Okay. Whoa. That would have been my guess, too, Stuart. So, hey, we're wrong on the same page. In 1999, The Matrix came out, and I remember everybody calling it a video game movie and talking about bullet time and talking about how it was so video gamey. I, attempting to be a game designer, had never played a single freaking video game that went into slow-mo as I was dodging bullets. I'm like, what video games are you playing because I've not played them? Well, around 1999, Remedy Entertainment was a game company looking for their next property, and they had a lot of different ideas that they were going around with, and I think they were desperately influenced by The Matrix. 
as in 2001, in just two years, which is a really fast turnaround for a PC slash PlayStation 2 game, Max Payne hit the market. And I fell in love with this game. It is a graphic novel of a game to the point that its interludes are all painted like Sin City or some of the more RC graphic novels where you actually have painters instead of colorists and things. And you had voiceover and speech bubbles and everything. And the game starts with Max returning home. He's a cop and his wife and baby have been murdered. Okay. So there is a plot point here that's a carryover into the movie. Yeah, but that's how the game starts. Here, they try to keep it a mystery, which is, as somebody who knows the game really well, finds that very difficult to not know. But instead of going all Punisher and everything, Max Payne, his wife and kid were killed by junkies. And so he joins the narcotics division and goes deep undercover, basically Serpico level, to get into the gang so he can bust the people supplying the drugs. He doesn't want to avenge his wife and baby per se, but he wants to clean up the streets so it doesn't happen to anybody else. He's a good, dedicated cop under deep cover with only one or two contacts. At the beginning of the game, one of his contacts, who's named Andy, the Donald Logue analog here, is shot during a meeting in the New York subway. And it's during a blizzard, so there's no civilians out on the street. And you get this game that's constantly haunted by the slow, drifting snow. And the only people out are a ton of criminals, some of whom you're going to partner up with to fight different criminals and go up the ranks to find out who has framed Max Payne for murder and... What does it have to do with the death of his wife and child? And then it goes into dream sequences. So it's actually a fairly realistic kind of game. If you consider Arnold Schwarzenegger's Commando to be realistic. Yes, there's a lot of shooting, but it's not fantastical shooting. It's not laser guns or anything like that. But a couple times you get knocked out. You get to go inside Max Payne's nightmares with this constant baby wailing. And it had something I'd never seen before in any game. You're going down a hallway and the hallway stretches out in front of you. It's almost like a Hitchcockian push and pull where this room just gets bigger as you go and really distorts. And then you go into these dark tunnels. It had a really good story. And it was so fun, it incorporated bullet time. It was the first video game of note to use bullet time. And what it was, was you had basically so much bullet time, it would replenish as you go, kind of like a health meter. And you could hit a button, and you could either leap with bullet time, or you could just slow it down. You move the same speed everybody else moves, but as the player... You can aim better, you can target better, you can become more aware of your surroundings, and I think the game's mechanics make it so that you're less likely to get hit when you're in this bullet time mode. You can dodge bullets better. So it was fun to play, it had wonderful presentation. Now, as I replayed this game, and I replayed it start to finish and loved every minute of it, I did realize, okay, the story isn't exactly all that original. It is kind of like The Punisher or any of these other things, but it's presented very well. The voice acting is done well, and the game's just fun as hell. And 
The sequels didn't do so well. I played a little bit of part two back in the day, and part three came out almost a full decade later. It was by Rockstar, who made the Grand Theft Auto games. It got middling reviews. I never played it. But when Max Payne, the movie, was announced, I'm like, yes, this is a cinematic game, and I think it'll make a really kick-ass movie. And I could not wait until I saw that first trailer. And I saw Mark Wahlberg, who looks the part. He kind of looks like Max Payne did. Okay. And the posters look kind of like that Max Payne aesthetic from the game with the snow falling and everything. And yet seeing it move and seeing some kind of demon wings and things and supernatural elements. Well, there were dream sequences in the game, but there were no freaking demons. So... I never went to theaters for this. I did rent it when it was new release. I got the disc from Netflix. My God, was I let down. It was <laughs> like, I just should have spent that time playing the game. My memory of Max Payne was pain and disappointment from when I watched it way back in 09. I thought I'd never return, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, I have a similar story, but coming from the opposite standpoint. I saw it back then as well. I remember it being completely awful, and I never wanted to see it again. I had no idea it was based on a video game, and the only reason why I saw it was it was for my work. Now, I vowed I was never going to share where I worked and all of that, but in a couple weeks, 20th Century Fox is not going to exist anymore. I feel a little bit more protected in being able to say, yes, I did work for them. I was part of an assembly line that would take their great films and try to cut them down for television and put them out there so that when you're watching a film at four in the afternoon and you're like, oh, I want to see this film. Oh, they've edited it for television. Yeah, I did that. I ruined your film. <laughs> did you control the beeps? And were you one of the voiceovers who has to like loop the non-cursing oh no no there's hundreds of people involved in this i was the lowest paid one that was my job and max Payne was one of the very first films i got a hold of and i couldn't believe it i thought man this is just the pits and fox had that reputation they were doing gangbusters on television they were the number one network with idol and glee great but when you saw their movie slate you just cringed and this was the kickoff to a job of cutting very bad films. Wow. I guess my angle on this is kind of neither of those. I've never seen the movie. I don't remember it coming out. I never played the game, but I was very aware of it. Like that cover art is iconic in my mind. There's just something about the spray painted graffiti of Max Payne on a white brick wall with bold red letters and the yellow police tape that like just really nailed the artwork for a game. And I think that stuck around for quite a while. That's something that was on PC, it was on consoles. I remember being ported to Mac. That doesn't happen with a lot of games. But the movie, it was a bad time for Wahlberg. He's making this as his follow-up to The Happening. Poor gentleman. <laughs> if you're a donor, you're going to hear, not this week, but next week, one of my favorite bad movies of all time, The Happening. Oh my God, he's so awful in it. And then to follow it up with this film, and then The Lovely Bones, really, he had gone from, I never thought he was a great actor, but a fun presence in movies. When utilized correctly, I really enjoyed seeing Mark Wahlberg. This was a time when I dropped out of the picture. Truthfully, I dropped out of the picture after his Planet of the Apes film. I mean, yes, in the 90s, he had a couple of things that were respected more by other people than by me. I'd seen Italian Job and Truth About Charlie and yeah, I mean, 
did he make a good fucking movie? Shooter? I, I've seen all this shit. <laughs> uh, Boogie Nights, The Departed, yeah. Three Kings. He's, he's been in a few good movies. Okay, but I was saying in the 21st century, yes. <laughs> Two of those three you've mentioned were 20th century. Yeah, The Departed was just a couple years before Max Payne. Huge ensemble cast, of which he's one of the smallest roles. But a memorable one. I think he steals the movie. I mean, he's better than Nicholson in it. I think I came back around to Wahlberg when he and Mila Kunis reteamed for Ted. <laughs> That's the only thing I could think of watching Max Payne this time is it's Mila Kunis and Mark Wahlberg. Are they Thunder Buddies? Is it Snow Thunder? <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for Flash Gordon to show up. <laughs> I do think that's how he reinvented himself. He does all these comedies now. Daddy's Home and things I never want to see. But Transformers The Last Night was Ooh. hysterical. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about Ooh. We saw him there. But uh, yeah. I, mm. Okay. <laughs> this was for me where to get off the boat. Yeah, this year, 2008, was just the pits. And maybe Max Payne isn't the worst one, but my memories were all bad. All I could remember was flapping wings in the dark. That's all that I remembered about the film. Arnie, why don't you give him a plot? We can find out if there's anything more to know about Max Payne. Mark Wahlberg is Max Payne, NYPD officer who has voluntarily taken assignment on the depressing cold case unit. Why? Because three years ago, some drug users broke into Max's apartment and killed his wife, Michelle, and their young baby. Despite the time that's passed, Max keeps pushing the issue, hoping to avenge his loved one's death. And of course, that does happen or there wouldn't really be a movie. Max's big break comes from Natasha, a Russian who tried to seduce Max. She's murdered, and Max's wallet is found at the crime scene. Then Max's old partner, Alex, played by poor Donald Logue, discovered there's a connection between Natasha and Michelle's killings. But Alex is also murdered, <laughs> and Max is the lead suspect. Until he's murdered. No, just kidding. <laughs> Everyone is like, introduce them, kill them. Introduce them, kill them. <laughs> Except for Luda. Ludacris is here, too. I'll get to him. He's here. Everything is ludicrous, but yeah, Ludacris is actually part of the cast. Yeah, he wanders in and out of this plot for a while. Playing it straight. Yeah, he's no Tyrese. Now running from the cops, led by Internal Affairs Officer Lieutenant Bravura, played by Ludacris, Max starts to track down Natasha's supplier through a tattoo of a wing she has. He's somewhat aided along the way, off and on, by Natasha's sister, Mona, a Russian hit woman played by Mila Kunis. Is that what she does? <laughs> I had no idea why she was sitting around in dark sunglasses. She's a hit woman. She says, you know what I do. I'm going to kill you if you fuck this up. Okay. That confirms something. <laughs> Max leads take him to a seer, a pharmaceutical company where his wife worked. Max's family friend, BB. Played by Bo Bridges. <laughs> Very alliterative of him. All I can think of is BB. <laughs> I'm just going to call Bo Bridges BB from now on. Good old BB. Is that a character in the game or did they just decide not to name this character or anything? No, he's actually a character from the game. It's just lucky casting. <laughs> so BB, played by Bo Bridges, is the head of security for Acer. So Max doesn't suspect the company, but in truth, Aesir has been developing a drug called Valkyr to give American soldiers extra power in combat. But the drug is not just a steroid, it's also a narcotic that's highly addictive, leading the subjects to use their enhanced strength to murder people so they can get more drugs. And BB has started financing his private life by selling Valkyr on the streets. 
That's what I'll never get over. I'm sorry. If Boat Bridges is pimping any narcotic street drug, you just don't do it. Jeff, maybe. Bo, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Bo don't know drugs. No, he doesn't. He could have, like, a barbecue sauce or something. <laughs> you know, like that, I'll buy from Bo Bridges. A fucking vial of blue drug? No. Keep your Smurf shit to yourself. <laughs> well, Max's wife, Michelle, had found out about all this, so BB had her and Max's baby killed to keep it a secret. <laughs> because the baby might talk? <laughs> I mean... I, I think it's so that it looks like random druggy attack when, in fact, it's a targeted hit. Mm-hmm. Well, now that Max knows all this, he goes on a killing spree, killing several Valkyr soldiers, corrupt cops, and eventually shooting BB on the roof of the Aesir skyscraper. And thanks to Lieutenant Rivera being a good cop, he called in the FBI. Max's name is cleared, but Aesir is still a very profitable company that maybe Max and Mona were going to take out in the sequel that never happened as credits roll. So my first question, that wasn't Billy Zane? (laughs) (laughs) And my question is, I keep seeing Chris O'Donnell's in this. Where's Robin? (laughs) (laughs) He put on a few. (laughs) He wasn't the bald dude then. No, he was the guy who worked at the company and got shot in his office. Marjorie and I are watching this and Donald Logue's there and Marjorie's like, is that Donald Logue? I'm like, I don't think he's in this movie. Is it Chris O'Donnell? Has he looked homeless? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Max Payne, right away, I just want to point out a number of differences from the game. In the game, there is a Russian hit woman who is the sister of someone married to a mafioso that Max... He never teams up with her, but they trade information. Max trades information with a lot of people underground. They never have a relationship. It never comes off romantic. And they never really go out guns blazing together. And if they did, you wouldn't hire Mila, that 70s show Kunis, to play that role. Look, I'm just going to call it out. Fox made this on the cheap. Mila Kunis was finishing up 70s show. The main bad guy in this was doing prison break. It was like they literally went into the cafeteria and said, hey, guys, want to be in a major motion picture? Come on over next door. This movie, it would like to look like Blade Runner. They're trying. They got a music video guy that's doing all of the tricks you do in a music video to make it flashy and cool. And yes, hopefully, please confuse it with Sin City or even the spirit. John Moore. Can we have less of more? I rarely blame a person specifically for their body of work. I usually hold that back for a Uva Bowl kind of person. But John Moore, A Good Day to Die Hard, Ugh. Max Payne, the remake of The Omen, <laughs> The Flight of the Phoenix, and something called It, which does not have Pennywise. Instead, it has an even scarier looking Pierce Brosnan. His claim to fame was... And I don't know if it's very famous, but did he write behind enemy lines? Is that what got him the Fox contract? Because all those films you mentioned are Fox films. He directed it. That was written by Zach Penn. He directed it even. I thought that was William Friedkin. Nah. Wow. (laughs) Big difference. William Friedkin, John fucking Moore. Now, John Moore, in addition to just making shit films, is an asshole. I 
watched the behind the scenes thing. This guy, he just sits there and flips off the camera and is like, fuck all you all. You don't, why don't you want some magic behind the making of movies? Why do you have to follow me around with a camera and ruin everything? Oh, boo hoo, DVD sales went down. You fuckers just pirate everything anyway, so who cares? Mm. And a little later in that same documentary, fuck all those accountants who tell me how much a movie should cost and how long I should have to make this movie. When this movie makes $115 million, I'm coming for all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds just like a documentary and somebody is preparing a case. I would rather watch this movie, honestly. <laughs> it's a more dramatic story than what we're getting here. But yes, he is a flashy movie guy that got a lot of films out of Fox, and I'm guessing that he turned it in on time and on budget. And somehow they gave him $35 million for this. Arnie, you brought it up early on when we were talking about the game, and this was going to be my big question when we sat down to record, because looking at the box of this game, it gives me no hint that there's going to be supernatural elements or demons or anything like that in the game. And you're saying that's something that they just put in this movie for the hell of it? The game had those psychological aspects where you would go into this nightmare world, but it was quite clearly an exploration of the subconscious. You were never supposed to think it was an alternate dimension. There was this game that I actually really loved that a lot of people probably would find boring called Sanitarium. And it was this role-playing game, and by role-playing, I mean like Leisure Suit Larry type stuff, where you'd go around and talk to people, but you were in a mental institution in modern day, or are you living in like 1800 BC in some weird Sumerian area? And you didn't know what was real and what wasn't real. And I thought that was kind of a fun game, although I thought the Sumeria stuff was a little weird. But... Max Payne never is trying to say, what, are these nightmares with the extended horror hallways supposed to be real? No, it was supposed to show how tormented Max is, but doing so in a horror way. I think this movie is trying to do that. I don't think these angels are supposed to be real. They're supposed to be hallucinatory. Was that the best part of the game? Was that you wanted to go into the visions? Because that would be the first thing I would tell them to cut from the script. If this wasn't an essential part of gameplay that you like, oh, I need to see how Max Payne dreams this reality. I would say the fact that they start with him drowning and having a vision of his dead daughter, this is something you don't need to let out of the bag right away. There's nothing left to mystery now. Okay, his wife is dead, and we're going to be told that, oh, about eight more times, and then he's going to build to the scene where he sees them dead in the flashback. Why do that? Why have these flashbacks and visions unless that is the appeal? Well, it was very fun and very unique to that game, but it's not like they were really trying to hold to the game, because as I mentioned, that game takes place a lot in bullet time. Like, half the game is played in slow-mo, because that's your superpower in the game, is the ability to slow things down and aim. They only do that, like, three or four times in this movie. And yet, this movie feels incredibly slow. Oh, God, it is. <laughs> and the game designers have come out and said, this movie sucks. I... Right now, to every game designer listening, to everybody who knows a game designer who's listening, don't think this Faustian deal of we're getting a movie is going to work out for you. Because I have yet to find, except for Postal, too many game developers who walked away with a smile on their face about the adaptation. But 
He was upset because they hid the fact that the wife and baby were killed for part of the movie. For him, he thinks that's your lead in and your mystery is why were they killed? Who killed them? What did that? Instead of having Max here in this drowning scene where it then goes one week earlier and yeah, you see flashes of dead babies and it's, it's a poor way to introduce us to the story. The other thing the game really had going for it, though, was this wonderful noir voiceover that was so overwritten and so full of similes. When playing it this time, I was able to look at it and realize it was almost a parody of your Sam Spade type story. But they had a really good voice actor doing it who gets a cameo in this movie. The FBI agent who comes in when Ludacris says, you want to meet a real cop? That's the actor who voiced Max Payne in the game. And it really sells that graphic novel feel, this voiceover. But when I get Mark Wahlberg's lines thudding to the ground and this horrible maudlin voiceover, immediately it's just... It all relies on the actor. The biggest sin Max Payne has pulled is incredible miscasting of everybody on screen, really. Bo Bridges, Mark Wahlberg, Myla Kunis, all of you need to go make a comedy together because you are not proper in this movie. Only Donald Logue, who dies, is playing Donald Logue in everything. So everybody else, get the fuck out. Yeah, I mean, from the get-go, this feels like a, a Scrabble game that somebody threw on the table and just started picking out elements and shooting. It feels loosely tied together. I feel like they're trying to play it as a mystery, but the second that Bo Bridges walks on screen, you're like, oh, well, he's the main bad guy. Obviously. He doesn't make any sense in this cast. Why would you have him unless he is... I would be stunned if he wasn't the killer at the end. I couldn't remember that twist, and... I hadn't played the game to conclusion to realize that character was the traitor in the video game as well. But Bo Bridges, first of all, it's like, I'm not even your friend. Your wife kind of liked art, right? They think we're friends, but we're not friends. And this is Bo Bridges. We discussed him at the start of this whole damn video game thing with the wizard. Oh, Lord. I said then, what I pretty much knew him from was being on sitcoms recently, and it's like he had this transformation from Hot Bow Bridges in the 80s to Fuddy Duddy Bow Bridges now, and here, he's far more on the Fuddy Duddy side than he is on the cool side. No, let's be clear. Jeff Bridges was the hot, sexy one. Bo was always the fuddy one. Like, that was their relationship. It's like the Randy Quaid, Dennis Quaid factor. Bo never got offered the same scripts as Jeff Bridges. Never. So the stylization, are they at least getting that right? They didn't shoot it in black and white, but it looks like they're enhancing the colors so they kind of look like a colorized black and white movie. And there's obviously some modeling and some matte painting kind of stuff to give it a depth and an atmosphere that they obviously didn't have in Toronto slash the back lot of Fox. I got the feeling stylistically that they shot this with every intention of going back in and picking out elements to really hit the contrast on, you know, red lipstick or red blood. But somebody took a step back. It's like, yeah, this is obviously too much of a ripoff of Sin City to do this. So they just left it blah and almost devoid of color. They intentionally tried to skew away from CGI effects. 
and do a lot of this stuff in camera. So the art direction you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm like, because the bullets and all of that are all. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm talking about the overall look, feel, the way that, yes, it screams Sin City, which mm. came out four years earlier and did this much better. Mm-hmm. Down to the voiceover, down to some of the character developments. I'm like, where's the yellow man? Because that would have improved this film greatly. But they didn't do a lot of green screen. They did some. They obviously had to for the bullet time stuff but what they got right was the feeling of desolation and isolation and the constant snow which just brings a mood to it and the fact that it's nighttime now max Payne the game takes place in one night whereas max Payne the movie takes place in a toronto where every night is a full moon like five nights in a row it is a full moon they show us that shot every night but Anytime Max Payne went in the daytime, which admittedly the sequel games did, I didn't think it had the same vibe. It didn't work as well. But when it's nighttime and it's cold and it's barren, there's something about the dark, cold, snowy night that I felt was symbolic of Max Payne's own soul and the solitude he felt and how he was one man against the world. I think they got that right. Okay. It's not as bad as I remembered. I remember this movie feeling like I was looking at a black screen, like that I couldn't see anything and that it was just poorly photographed. Maybe I had a bad print or something, but coming back to it, it looks okay, but it does not compare favorably to what they're ripping off, which is the Sin City aesthetic. And it doesn't sound like they captured the look of the game exactly either. No, the game graphic novel, like I said, was highly stylized, painted, reminding me of like those 80s graphic novels that came out after Watchmen when they're trying to get a bit more of an artsy style to them, like Sandman, like Neil Gaiman level look. Mm -hmm. But the game itself, it didn't have a look that I could really call out. It it was third person, not first person, but you, you were in buildings, you were in New York City, you'd go to the subway and things, you'd go into buildings, you'd go into clubs. Both the game and the movie have strange, needless references to Norse mythology that I didn't catch before (laughs) Thor. The movie really reminded me a lot of it. But yeah, there's a Club Ragnarok in the game. Oh yeah, talking about Valkyries and all that stuff here. Yeah, and they get it wrong because as I know from Ragnarok the movie... All the Valkyries were women in Norse mythology, but here they're dudes. (laughs) Yeah, that's not all they get wrong, but it takes a while to even get to that point. I just wanted to know if they captured anything that was right, because what we're getting is kind of a cut-and-paste generic noir world where Mark Wahlberg is going to skulk his way through. Nobody wants to talk to him at the police station. He works cold cases, so he doesn't have to deal with anyone, and so that presumably he can spend all of his time researching who killed his wife. And we just have these really poor scenes of him wandering around subways and such, messing up hoods, trying to figure out who did it to her. When we know goddamn well it's Bo Bridge. Yeah, it is much better in the game because, first of all, in a game, you don't have somebody there who's obviously a too big of a cast member to be underutilized in a bit part. And that's the thing I've really come to notice in a lot of movies is if you have like three leads, one of those three leads is the bad guy. And if one of those three leads isn't the bad guy, one of those three will be revealed to be the bad guy at the end. So in the game, you don't know who set you up. All you know is you only have one contact on the force and he's dead. So 
what's going on. You think it's mobsters who did it, but it turns out the mobsters are working for the cops who are working with drug dealers. You know, a lot of this plot is from the game, including the drug Valkyr being this new designer drug on the street. It sounds like it's a little nebulous. Like, by design, by trying to go for some Hammett thing, you've got all of these red herrings and all these dense things. I'm wondering if they didn't shoot some of that and then realized nothing made any sense, so they just mixed it all up in a bag. And the order in which we get Mark walking into a room feels like it could happen at any time, <laughs> at any given moment, with no connection to what we've seen before or what happens later. We know that there's a guy standing around for anyone to see on any building holding a machete who is the person... Person killing all of these people for some reason they just don't look up they're investigating crime scenes he's standing right there no we don't see him and it will take forever for Mark to walk up and meet this guy. A lot of this setup is him harassing central casting thugs. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what I don't understand. It's not like Max is following a bunch of clues and getting close to figuring this out. Mm -mm. He just seems to be bumbling about and everybody he runs into ends up getting hacked up as if they were going to reveal some information that they didn't have to Max, who's not even on the trail. Okay, let's follow this through, because I really, knowing everything we know from the plot summary mm -hmm. and that Bo Bridges behind it all, right. I want to kind of follow this. Right. So, Bo Bridges' company is making this drug that's basically extremist. And I want to point out, it's not his company. Yeah, he's just head of security with a swanky-ass CEO office. Right. And he's illegally selling the drugs on the streets. Right. And Acer, aren't they the crappy line of laptops? <laughs> That's Acer, A-C-E-R. Isn't this Acer? Oh. Yeah, there's a Y and S in there, but yeah. Point taken. <laughs> and I don't even know that Acer's around anymore. I mean, hell, I haven't heard dude you're getting a Dell in a decade, but- Michelle worked at this drug company. Mark Wahlberg's wife. Yes. She loved it so much she got a tattoo of a wing on her arm. Or the killer, after he killed her, said, I'm going to take the time to put a tattoo on it, but I only have 10 minutes because Wahlberg is 10 minutes away. No, Michelle didn't have the tattoo, did yes. she? Yes, this is the brilliant conclusion that the ex-partner of Mark Wahlberg comes up with is he looks at the photo of Natasha dead and then goes back and pull up that cold case. She's also got that tattoo. Wow. Like, why wouldn't Mark Wahlberg remember that about his wife? And why would she get a tattoo of a, a pharmaceutical company who she has ethical problems with? Yeah, that's the thing is she has ethical problems because she finds out that they're doing... Super soldier serum. At what point did Bo Bridges see an angle here? I don't <laughs> know. And what exactly did she find? I'm thinking this took a lot actually from Darkman. Because remember in Darkman, Liam Neeson's girlfriend had the memo that she shouldn't have had about the illegal land dealings and... They go to get it from Liam Neeson's lab, and that's why he gets burned up and turned into Dark Man. This is basically it, right? Is she finds like a memo or some papers that she shouldn't have found that exposes something about this drug. I don't know if it's that BB is selling it or if it's that mm -mm. they're making it. No, 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 no. Mark Wahlberg had a wife who worked for a drug company, and she found out that on the side for the government, they were developing a serum that was only 1% successful. 
It was going to make 1% of the armed forces kill without fear, but everyone else that takes it becomes highly addicted to it and has visions of angels. Well, the slogan is an army of one, so 1% is plenty, right? Right. <laughs> and because Bo Bridges is the head of security, he's the one that the CEO sends in to cover those tracks and kill Michelle. And he loves it so much, he has this epiphany where he's like, I didn't think I could be me before, but now I feel like dealing drugs and shooting babies. Well, I thought he killed her to protect himself. Did the CEO order that? I would assume if he's head of security, she certainly knows and is comfortable with what's happening. But he says he had problems. He didn't have enough money. He was the one trying to sell the drugs on his own. And once he realized he could kill Michelle, then he took his problems into his own hands and found solutions. That doesn't sound like he was ordered to go murder. That sounds like he realized he had the power to kill and it would fix his problems. What he is saying is, I was ordered to go clean up this problem And when I killed Michelle, I was not bound by morality anymore. And so I can just open a side business of BB's crack house. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to kill a baby, dealing drugs is kind of below that on on the... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And what I love that we're going to find out... (laughs) This this pissed me off so bad. Okay. BB is head of security for a company that makes super soldiers. Mm Mm-hmm. And presumably, it also has security guards. Mm -hmm. Ones that could probably run a mile and not huff and puff like Bo Bridges would. (laughs) But Bo and another guy go personally to kill Michelle. Right. Not only is he the head of security, he's the only security guard. (laughs) And Max Payne, when he's told this, when BB is there like, I killed your wife with my hands, Max Payne suddenly goes, yeah, that's right, you did. I saw you in the mirror. <laughs> yes, because the baby bubble is like glistening and there was a mirror on one of them. He remembers, yeah, there was a face there and now I can place it. It was you in the closet hiding. <laughs> BB's plan makes no sense from Jump Street. I mean, if he's willing to kill to bury the secret, why not just kill the whole family? Set the house on fire, take out Max, who he knows personally from being on the force together at some point. Just take out the whole family and be done with this before it even gets started. So he's running a drug empire. What is the market appeal? I would think it would be very small. I wouldn't think that models and street urchins would be wanting to pop super soldier serum. (laughs) But it's addictive. That first taste is free, and then whether or not you want to pop the super soldier serum, you're addicted. (laughs) Okay, because Mark gets mad that his leads are bad, that he chases down this one dude and beats him up in the bathroom and gets nothing out of him. No, and he realizes that. He goes back to his mole and says, you sold me this crazy guy that's talking about wings flapping. He doesn't know that everyone that takes this drug sees angels, and so that will be imagery that they tease throughout this. But a woman walks up on him 
what's happening here? Is he thinking that he's going to get some tail or does he think he's going to get a tail when <laughs> she is going home with him? The funniest part of all of this is, yeah, they have this whole scene at a party. The party he shows up to, we get the sense that the guy who's throwing it is a low-level informant that he's dealt with in the past. He's moved up in the world. He has some money now. He's throwing this drug party. Marky Mark kind of walks around looking at things. There's some sort of lesbian, drug-fueled sex thing going on in a back room. Yeah, there's two different cuts of this. There's the unrated cut and the rated cut. The unrated cut is about seven seconds longer. The MPAA gave it an R rating. I checked movie censorship. I was not watching this twice. Which one do I watch? Unrated has women kissing. Rated does not. Unrated, please. It is the only <laughs> thing good about this damn movie. Okay. <laughs> so are the super soldiers making out then? Like, what does the bunker look like? No, if you take this drug and you start kissing on anything. I think these are the street people who have bought the drug illegally. Okay, because that's not going to be a very effective SEAL Team 6. <laughs> or extraordinarily effective if they're hot yeah. women. SEAL Team 69. <laughs> if your plot's going to be based around this drug and it has some sort of street appeal, we need to be brought into what that appeal is. They don't explain the high. They don't explain the euphoria. They don't explain the drug's effects other than showing us people going crazy on it. And it looks like Drano. Right. A lot of things about it that are unappealing. We're to understand that Natasha, for whatever reason, is hooked on it. I think she gets some when she goes into this back room, but later she'll be calling her, her drug friend to get some more or highly addictive okay yeah i mean within like you need it every hour addictive i just want to make clear that people need to understand what we're talking about here it's literally like water and this is where mila kunis comes in for the first time <laughs> because she brings her entire russian mafia to track down her sister who says oh i'm with a cop how much trouble can i get in i'm not hanging around those drug people anymore and Mila Kunis goes, okay. And then Natasha goes and does some drugs immediately. <laughs> yeah. And what is Max doing during all of this? You would think that he would be on to some of it. Does he think he has a lead here on his dead wife because she has the same tattoo? Is that why he's allowing her to come home with him? Or is he lonely? I literally cannot read what the character wants and why he gets entangled in this situation. And wonder if there wasn't heavily re-editing and rewriting and that all of this stuff feels garbled because it was an entirely different plot. Well, I don't know if there's anything written there because this is the point of the movie where I rolled my eyes out of my head and realized, oh my God, what are we in for here? Because they're at the party and Max says to Natasha, let's get out of here and go someplace to talk. Cut to they're at Max's house and he says, all right, now spill it. So they went from that party, got in a cab or his car or walked silently for the next 20 minutes, hour, however long it took to get there before he says that. Like, this is where I'm like, somebody write an exposition on how they got from here to here and didn't speak a word to each other. The shocker is, I guess he didn't drink any of the blue stuff because he doesn't want to make out with her. She goes on her way and this guy who is hanging out everywhere, everywhere they go, the killer, he ends up being a sergeant in the super serum program, Jack Lapino. Again, the guy that was in prison break. He is killing her. She has a vision of a giant bird attacking her, and it's really him jumping off the roof with a machete, I guess. And she was stealing Mark Wahlberg's wallet because, hey, why not? 
if I can't get him in bed, I'll get his credit card? Yeah, you know, if she's that crazy, why did he go home with her? Like, couldn't he read? Like, we all know what a crack fiend is, right? I mean, you can't be seduced by a crack fiend. Well, that's usually because of their teeth. Yeah. I I mean, this drug (laughs) seems to enhance things, not reduce things. But (laughs) I think he might have thought of sleeping with her. She was hot. She was naked. She was in his bed. She made the mistake of saying, oh, what's the sob story you want to tell me? I don't care. Just call me whatever her name is. You can be with her again. Max, I've missed you. You don't screw with the dead wife. That's, I think, when he was like, get out. I think he might have actually, after three years, been ready to have sex with a Russian drug addict until that moment. Yeah, maybe. And again, they have the same tattoo. I didn't make that up. That is something that is said in this movie by the ex-partner that rolls in. And I think, oh, this is going to be a major character. Donald Loge is a character actor who's usually given something to do in a film die Uh, well no but he's the ex-partner and he's gonna set all of the stuff up and the fact that he's like dead a minute later again it leads me to believe they didn't know what they were doing like this mystery is just fumbling around in the dark and there's more corpses than there are killers do you remember reviewing donald logan ghost rider no okay then (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's literally here to deliver like five lines and seriously two of them are hey let's go for a ride i can't understand why they would bring him in just to kill him this early we already have two corpses we have the wife and now natasha we don't need the ex-partner also dead that's too many investigations going on simultaneously right he could have played the same character that Ludacris end up playing or roll those into one But it's an unnecessary character at this point. Except, all right, help me figure this out. So Natasha's killed and his wallet's there. Ludacris is asking some questions, or I'm sorry, Ravura is asking some questions. These terrible symbolic names are straight out of the game. But he's asking questions. Then Max Payne goes to meet his friend, wakes up in a hospital, is told that his partner was killed. And Bo Bridges is like, yeah, I'm going to the wake. You want to come? I'll take you by my office first so that we can get you an outfit. Because Bo Bridges and Mark Wahlberg are the same size. (laughs) Wait, what kind of... Now I'm thinking this is a crazy dream. Like he died and now he's gone to a different realm where physics don't apply in the same way. This is Bo Bridges when he was still actually working as head of security before his drug dealing letting himself go kind of day. The way it plays on screen is he wakes up from being knocked out a little bit earlier and the wake is a few hours after he died. It's just rolling along with no apparent purpose. And we get to see this horribly overwrought scene. In fact, I'm just going to stop using the term horrible. Everything in this movie is horrible. But this scene where he goes to Alex's funeral and is yelled at by Alex's widow about how horrible it is that Max never forgave Alex for not finding the killer that Max himself also has not found. (laughs) Nelly Furtado. I'm thinking, oh, that's code for something. She's got that song, I'm Like a Bird. I'm like, it's her. (laughs) She's the bird lady. We never will see her again. (laughs) This whole indignant thing about how you did this to Donald Loge. You didn't forgive him. And then he had to go and do his job and investigate. And then he got killed. And that's on you, man. 
Huh? <laughs> I, I don't know how you can you can pin Max Payne for a lot of the deaths in this movie. I don't see that Donald Loge is one of them. But that's enough rationale for the police to put out an APB thinking Max killed Alex. They don't like him anyway. We had some cop we'll never see again that was new to the force <laughs> in the very first scene walk through and meet him just so he could be told, yeah, we don't like this guy. His wife was killed, which we've been told that four times now, and he acts real funny. The point is, is Mark Wahlberg is a man alone. He has no friends on the force, except for Bo Bridges, who left the force to be the head of the security. And the fact that Bo Bridges is asking him all these questions about the case just telegraphs the fact, well, then he's pumping him for information because he was the one that did the murder. I'm the whole time it's just obvious and we're waiting for that to happen but no there's got to be some more stuff that happens like Mila Kunis why is she here what does she add at some point she pulls into an alley with a gun and says you did it and then ends up working with him <laughs> to like go to a tattoo parlor and meet a black gangster that we never see again. This is like a breadcrumb trails after breadcrumb trails. So we're just walking on crusty bread and it goes nowhere, whatever direction you pick. I love, 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 <laughs> ironically, the scene where they're having this one of and he's like, I'm trying to find Natasha's killer too. You don't get to say her name. Let's go to the tattoo parlor. Now he's talking to the tattoo parlor <laughs> artist. You gave this tattoo to Natasha. Michael <laughs> <laughs> <Bible> says nothing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Can I just ask about the tattoos? Why? Why? <laughs> what? What's going on? There are many ways to get a tattoo of a wing. The fact that two dead women have that tattoo and it is also the insignia of the pharmaceutical company seems really crazy. What is the connection that brings that together? Michelle worked at the company, she got the tattoo, and then was killed, and then Bro Bridges, who did that killing, but didn't kill Natasha, when did she get the tattoo and why? She just loved the drug so much? The tattoo artist has this huge thing about, it's for protection, it's the Valkyries, warriors get this, because warriors can only go to Valhalla if they die in combat. Which never comes up again either. Mm -mm. But apparently the warriors got the Valkyrie tattoo to protect them from dying outside of combat. Yeah, Lupino, when he goes shirtless, we will see he has it on his back, like a full bird thing. That makes sense to me. Okay, you're marked, you're part of a program, and, you, and you're addicted to this drug. I guess I'm just having a problem with Natasha being the road in which Mark has come to this place. Why can't he just be investigating his dead wife? Why did we have to bring in this other woman? except to bring in Mila Kunis, who throughout this entire film, help me guys, what did she do that was helpful? She doesn't even have a romance with Mark Wahlberg. She shoots people later. In the dark, barely. <laughs> like, this is his movie to shoot people. <laughs> I don't get it. I just don't get why we need a Natasha to bring in a Myla who will do nothing. She introduced him to the African drug lord. Who did nothing. Who did nothing. Gave him more information about nothing. The most helpful thing they did was they bumbled into a random tattoo parlor and that guy was able to give the exposition about what these wings all might mean. And why are victims being branded in this way? Murder victims shouldn't be branded with the insignia of the company who's secretly killing them. I just would think that would be a bad idea. And why didn't Max ever look into this pharmaceutical company to begin with? Why did it take all of this? He's sitting there with Bo Bridges, and they've started a freaking scholarship in Michelle's name, 
And he's still like, I got to find those junkies, but I'm not going to ask a single question of her coworkers. <laughs> it's painful to try and chase the tail of this movie, but I suppose just take it on a plot by plot moment. It does have mood, right? The one thing that this thing has was it has like a quote unquote cool vibe. And so if you just like to see tough guys doing noir poses, walking through rainy streets and shooting people, I guess you're getting that quotient fulfilled. I don't see a lot of video game play happening. The one thing that I couldn't figure out, it comes really late when we're finally getting gunplay. And the game is all that, right? From frame one. I mean, that's the thing is you don't have a game where 30 minutes of the game is walking around talking to people and then you start shooting. You may have a tutorial at the beginning with some conversations, but this game kicks off. You get the graphic novel. You actually get to take control and do a little bit of shooting of the people who are killing your wife and baby. Then you jump forward three years, you get a graphic novel interlude, and the next thing you know, you're shooting thugs who are shooting at you. I mean, that's what a game is. And again, I'm watching this with Marjorie and she's like, well, this just feels like a game because you're getting all these clues and all these characters and everything. It just feels like a game. I'm like, I agreed with her for the first 10 minutes. And at the 30 minute mark, I'm like, what game would not have me shooting people yet? Right. That is a bad game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is that you could make the argument, turn off your brain, don't try to follow the mystery, just enjoy what they're giving you, except after a while, it's just kind of dull. It's got mood to spare, but there aren't any kick-ass scenes. Like, it takes Chris O'Donnell to get this motherfucking party started, and that is never a good thing. But <laughs> Chris O'Donnell is 10 years beyond Batman and Robin, and probably suffered the most. Out of everyone in that cast, he is the one that has worked the least and seems to have no cachet and is here playing a nameless suit who we might suspect is in on the conspiracy with the super serum, but in fact wants to be a whistleblower. And so they send a SWAT team up to kill him and Max. He is more than happy to roll over. He's like, I got the envelope. You just got to protect me. I'll tell you everything. And Max is an idiot. I don't have that much respect in real life for Mark Wahlberg. I don't believe him to be overly intelligent. I don't believe he's a person I'd exactly like to go to a race rally with. But I definitely think he's smart enough to realize that if a guy has an envelope full of something, you might want to find out what it is and it wouldn't need the guy to say, this is who killed your wife before you pay attention. <laughs> Well, I mean, if Max is being stupid, then BB and his crew are being even stupider. Because after all, this is all about a cover-up. And next thing you know, we have full-on military bullet action going on in the middle of a pharmaceutical company. Yeah. Office, cubicles, the 37th floor of this skyscraper. Very, very covert operation going on here. I feel bad for Chris O'Donnell. And I never want to feel bad for Chris <laughs> O'Donnell. We could keep you in the rest of the movie and you could work with Mark Wahlberg, except, eh, you're just not that interesting. So we'll just make it a folder. Mark Wahlberg will walk away from this exchange with a folder that will just tell him everything he needs to understand about Acer and how they made these soldiers into these killing machines and tie it all up in a bow. As compared to tying it all up in a bridges? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but every character appears, gets shot, and usually dies or just disappears, Nelly Furtado style. It's strange to have a movie where the only constant is Bo Bridges. When in doubt, Bo Bridges will pop back up and eventually he will cackle and admit it was all his evil plan. Whatever plan that was. He admits to that way too easily. And I'm completely disappointed because Jack Lupino needs to do more. He looks the most badass in this movie. I almost expect him to have like filed down teeth. Maybe he actually wandered off the set of Constantine and into this because he really with those wing tattoos and everything, he's got a demonic presence. And we're supposed to be afraid of BB? Yeah, that is a huge miscalculation. Is the tough guy they take out very easily here. Now, it isn't even Max Payne that shoots him. It is Bo Bridges. And then, yeah, for the rest of the movie, we have to worry that Mark Wahlberg is going to have to face off with the other Bridges brother. It's just ridiculous. Why do that? I guess Bo is a bigger star, and you just want to have a star. Sure, but if this guy's supposed to represent the ultimate in this experiment for the drug testing, why not make him actually head of Bo's security or his right-hand man instead of Rutherford Gray, who he ends up running around with at the end of the movie? Or the other soldiers. I mean, presumably it wasn't just one test subject, that there must have been other soldiers, and couldn't they all be utilized to go after Max at some point? Where, yeah, Bo can be in the background cackling and being evil, but it doesn't fall on him to do these action set pieces. That it's literally going to be him walking Mark Wahlberg out to the frozen lake that we saw in the beginning. So after all of this, we understand that B.B. himself killed Max's wife and his baby, has been running this illegal drug ring he's gone ahead and gotten a gunfight at his corporate headquarters <laughs> he still feels the need to make max's death look like an accident or a suicide <laughs> <laughs> yes well he's putting him down with all these other bodies underwater that nobody has ever bothered to go max apparently knows about it he's in cold cases he knows literally where the bodies are and he never goes there. <laughs> yeah, and you know, that's like, I mean, we all understand, like, cement shoes and the idea that they're, like, Michigan. Oh, I get it. But if your job is cold cases, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you know where <laughs> bodies are, don't you think you might want to pull those bodies out and see if you might close a case or two? Yeah, he's, he's working one case, <laughs> his own case, and my case, quite frankly. But, <laughs> yes, that he's not doing his job. And Neither is anyone else in this movie. <laughs> but by the time he's thrown in the water, I'm so bored that I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, he went swimming at the beginning of this movie. Well, he wasn't thrown. He jumped in. They were going to put cement shoes or something heavy on his feet, and they had already slipped the drug vials into his pocket, and this is a setup for the climax. I was not prepared for this movie to advocate that you should take super soldier serum, <laughs> but that is what's going to happen, to which I ask, can a drop make you shoot faster? He gets more bullets out of those pistols <laughs> than there are bullets. <laughs> that, I think, is somehow trying to tell us because this is when the slow-mo really comes in it's like saying the only way you can have bullet time like you have in max Payne the game is if you're on speed and so you comprehend and are able to have faster reflexes and things that's fine but your gun isn't on steroids like I, if i'm a six shooter how do i become a 30 shooter a second <laughs> speed 
Sure, take it as video game shorthand for this is the magic thing that you just took. You're invincible for a while. You don't have to reload. Fine. Is that part of the game? I don't know. And at this point, I don't care. No, admittedly, if it gets us to any kind of climax, and more importantly, if it gets us to some action, which is where the only thing I can imagine this movie excelling at, a video game movie usually at least can close that loop, right? If all else fails and the plot stinks and the acting's bad, we know that they can deliver action if they're not Uva Bull. And <laughs> maybe it's a little too late, or maybe it's the fact that he's it's all in service of trying to catch up with Bo Bridges. But I just feel like this climax falls flat because... Mark Wahlberg's not able to play off anybody. It's just nameless people in the dark. I'll give it a visual style of when you get the close-ups of him with, like, the flames behind him and the demon wings. Yeah, this would be a great music video. It's a terrible movie. Yeah. and But poor Mila Kunis is still here somewhere. You said she's in the dark. she got the one task of tracing down Bo Bridges' henchman, who is, like, auditioning for that Die Hard 5 movie. For some reason, he decides to blow up a part of the skyscraper. I don't know why. I don't know how that's helpful. And I certainly don't know why the stocks are going to climb for this pharmaceutical company after this ends. I think I may be able to help you out with one. Okay. I think they blew it up to destroy the evidence about the drugs because everything was coming out and everybody was freaking out. His private enterprise of running a Valkyr drug house was being run out of the corporate office? With paperwork? No, just the drug experimentation, the drug use, the fact that the drug Valkyr was a corporate project was going to get out. Oh. I feel like I'm injecting some, like, Jason Bourne meta-knowledge into this script that's just not there. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know who would be looking. I mean, again, the river is filled with bodies. No one really cares about what misdeeds are being done in this town. It's Sin City, after all, but okay. If you say so, I'll accept that that might be, it was, they were covering their tracks badly. And Bo Bridges is relying on the CEO to get him a helicopter, and she is happy not to answer that phone and let him sit there and wait for Mark Wahlberg to shoot him on the helipad. That is such a lackluster death. I want this guy to go into the helicopter blades. I mean, if he killed a baby and he killed the wife and he pretended to be the friend, he deserves a really horrible death. And he just gets one bullet, one slow-mo bullet. Yeah, I mean, they're on a skyscraper helipad. Have them fall off. Have them get chopped up by the blade of the helicopter coming up. You're right. One bullet to the chest and it's over. Eh. Yeah, and I don't even think Bo showed up that day. Like, they shoot him from the back. The image is taken from his backside so we don't see his face. And, uh, yeah, very lackluster, very unimpressive, anticlimactic. In a movie that didn't start at a big particular high, they've actually managed to go lower. I was about to say, we're not at recommends yet. Lackluster, nothing happening. I thought you were summarizing the whole film. You're just talking one scene? <laughs> yeah. And there's one more to go. I don't know. Did you guys make it through the credits? I did because I knew it was coming and I fast forwarded. Fortunately, there's no more dialogue, so no more lines thud. Right. The sequel tease is that now they're going to go after the CEO because Bo Bridges wasn't lame enough. Now it's going to be this woman that looks like Piper Laurie is going to be who two people are going to have a hard time shooting. <laughs> oh, a sequel that I'm glad hasn't happened yet. Don't say yet. It'll never happen. There was talk originally, but 
The game developers were like, we don't like what they did. The studio was like, hey, we're still waiting for you to come after us after you make $115 million. (laughs) They kept working with the guy, though. They gave him the keys to the Die Hard franchise. And I do feel like in some ways, this was an audition tape for that job. And he passed? Apparently so. Uh, Justin Stewart, exactly how much were you in, Max Payne? Justin? I guess I'm just glad that this movie couldn't tarnish a video game that I was a fan of. I can't imagine being so into Max Payne as a game and and then walk into this movie that's just like, "Uh, nobody here really cares. Let's just shoot some stuff and see what happens. It would be heartbreaking. There's a scene in the climax when all the bullets are flying. Max goes busting into BB's office. He's not in there. But he busts in and just starts firing blindly into the dark office. I'm like, that's the perfect allegory for this movie. There's nothing going on. They don't know what they're aiming for. And they definitely don't know what they're trying to put out at the end of the day. I think it was a movie they tried to glide by on the little bit of stylistic vibe that they were putting out there. But even that fell flat. They didn't go all the way with the style. They didn't write a good script. It was confusing. And at the very end of it, it just left me bored. I mean, at one point I was counting how many movie cliches this thing is going over. I mean, if there's a cliche in a movie, it's in here. If you want to see something that looks like Sin City, but has none of the fun and none of the style, then hey, sit down and watch Max Payne. But other than that, I'd stay far away from this turd. Not recommend. Stuart. And oddly enough, it wasn't as bad as I remembered. I remember thinking, this movie is so horrible. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. How am I going to work this job where I'm always cutting these kinds of bad movies? And that was a time before I was on Now Playing. (laughs) No, I do. I've talked about it already, about how being exposed to so many movies I wouldn't normally watch, and many of them god-awful, you develop a skin, a numbness, a shell. This movie, in terms of the video game retrospective, is somewhere in the middle. I mean, it's certainly not one of the worst. It it is blandly stylistic, nonsensical, and boring. And that gets you right dab in the middle (laughs) of the now-playing arcade. This movie's bad, don't get me wrong, but my definition of what a bad movie is has changed in the last 10 years. If he had asked me 10 years ago, I would have said it was a travesty. Now, me. Not recommend. The travesty is that you're blasé about this shit. Now, yes, Justin, I do love the game, but no one can ever tarnish the memory I have of playing that game hour upon hour upon hour. And after watching this movie, I played that game some more so that I could flush the memory of this out of my mind. My equating it would be, yes, I saw my father's corpse, but that doesn't mean that's my only memory of my father. I also remember talking to him. So it's not that I love the game so much that this is a problem for me as a movie. But for me, this was one of the worst video games. Not the worst. Uva still. Yeah, come on, Arnie. Really? Do I have to remind you of all the things we've seen? <laughs> Listen, I have been keeping a list on a scale of 1 to 10, what I rank all of the video game movies. You should keep a list of like from 3 to negative 30. <laughs> and I was going to give Max Payne a 2. Which is, you know, pretty fucking low. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, you know what? It looked good. So I'll give it a three. Mm-hmm. But that's still 
on a scale of one to ten, it's still in the lower quartile of the video games. Yeah, in a normal like universe, that's still an F. But Super Mario Brothers was more painful. Double Dragon. No, no. Disagree, because both of those at least had something going on entertaining to watch. The thing is, this had a good visual style, but between the miscast actors and the thudding lines, I was ready to give this review 30 minutes into this movie. I'm like, I don't need the next 60. Whereas Mario and Double Dragon, I'm both like, I gotta see what the fuck happens next. Here, I knew what would happen next. It was more of the same. Max Payne, meh, not quite, but high level of pain, yes. Pretty damn strong, not recommend. And I just hope to never see anything by this guy again. Yeah, I think what suffers is your patience. That's where the pain is applied. And we've had this conversation before. I'm usually more, if a movie's boring but mediocre, I consider that a success. You would rather see a really tremendously entertainingly awful film than to see something mediocre and boring. Correct. That's the thing is, my question is all about watchability. Yeah. There's no watchability here. Oh, no. After 15 minutes. You've seen Mm -hmm. everything it has to offer. It's up there with the Fog remake as far as just really hard to watch. So no, I don't recommend it. It's not painful, but man, it's like study hall without anything to do. Yeah, I would rather watch somebody swing for the fences and fail miserably at doing it. But this movie barely even tries to get up to bat. Oh, really? Then why don't you (laughs) join us this Friday for Lady in the Water? (laughs) Oh, boy. There's some artistic ambition that I love to skewer. M. Night, man, oh, man. The part that he gives himself in that film. Oh, I can't wait to talk about it. I've not seen it. I'm just hoping that, yes, I would rather have it be a glorious failure Mm. than dull tripe. Okay, well, get your cereal boxes ready and let's go to town. It's going to be awesome. You collect Funko cereal, too? (laughs) Justin got the joke. I don't know what that means. Uh, it's Funko's latest money grab that I didn't know Arnie was in on, but now I do. <laughs> I, I avoided it until I saw the 10th anniversary cereal, and I'm like, oh, I like the yellow box. <laughs> and since they didn't make a sequel to this, we can go back to normal movies that are in theaters that you'll be happy to pay money for, like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I'm so happy to go to theaters. <laughs> I need out of the arcade. I really do. <laughs> I feel like I've been trapped. You know how they say if you want your kid to stop smoking, you lock them in a closet and make them smoke a whole pack, which first of all seems like a way to get a real stinky jacket and maybe a fire. Mm. But that's how I feel in this arcade is I don't even want to play a game anymore. (laughs) We really are ruining it. It is having the reverse effect. Rather than seeing how they adapt something to the cinema, I'm like feeling like I never want to see anything involved in a video game again. I can't wait till we're done for several reasons, but... The most will be so we can have the final discussion. Is there ever any artistic merit in a movie that started as a game? <laughs> <laughs>
No, we've seen some we've recommended. I don't know about Merit, but we get a reprieve for the next three weeks. We're going to theaters. Spider-Man, Aquaman, Bumblebee, and then we're back to video games with Hitman, which is another Fox movie that I didn't actually edit for television, so I don't know. Well, we will find out. Listeners, thank you so much for sharing this pain with us. And until next week, game over. God's sakes, come on! Max is dead! They got nothing else. Come on! Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Everybody's gonna get a medal for this! Great! Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. What do you say we grab a beer after work or something? Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. The devil is building his army. He is looking for something that God wants to stay hidden. And that's what makes him even more dangerous. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. I could feel the dead down there, just below my feet, reaching up to welcome me as one of their own. It was an easy mistake to make. You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. Please, it's urgent. You can also join the Now Playing Patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month, plus even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. Find the details on our website. He's family. You gotta help him here. If you want even more Now Playing reviews, place your order now for the first Now Playing book, Underrated movies we recommend. Get reviews of 125 films our hosts love. You can order the book by clicking the banner at the top of our homepage. I learned the most amazing lesson. I could have been doing this my entire life. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. You following us, asshole? No, I'm only following you. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. You try sleeping once in a while, you can see that for yourself. Now Playing's video game retrospective series is edited by Arnie. I did everything! Everything! Now Playing credits read by Brock. You just said the magic words. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. Mind your own business. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. 
All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. Oh, hell no. Did you accomplish something? Not tonight. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Venganza Media Incorporated and may not be used without the expressed written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. You don't want to talk to me. They're going to send somebody who doesn't know you and won't care about your side of the story. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2018, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. It's okay. The angels burn within them now. But when I get Donnie Wahlberg's lines thudding Mark. to the... But Marky Mark. I, I wish it was Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> Donnie was doing better work in soft films around this time. We've discussed him pretty recently. What movie did yeah. he... Yeah? Yeah. He was in The Wizard. Yeah. Mm. I don't see that Donald Loge is one of them. Isn't it Logue? Loge, I think. It's Donald Logue. It's not Robert Loge. Oh, it's Robert Loge, Loge Donald Logue. <laughs> yeah. Nah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> We're done talking about him anyway. But yeah. 